0: Well, this morning we end this journey through uh, the book of Proverbs uh, that we have been on for the last uh, 12 or 13 weeks. Uh, we're coming to the end of that uh, journey in wisdom, uh, where we're looking at daily wisdom to give us the best kind of really. It's wisdom that helps us live life well. <coughs> so if you have your Bibles, um, turn in your copy of Scripture to Proverbs chapter 31. Uh, While you're turning there, remind you that we as a church are a church that prays together. And uh, I want to invite you to join me uh, in praying at 1 o'clock for this one thing. Every single day pray for one minute, one o'clock for this one thing. I'm going to ask everybody to do this. I know you hear me say this each week. If you're here each week, if you're here once every four Sundays, you hear me say it once every four Sundays. If you're here once every 12 Sundays, you hear me say it once every 12 Sundays. No matter how long you're here, how often you're here, you hear me say this each week, I hope. But don't turn it off just because I say it a lot. Okay, Uh, if you're a parent, you know what I mean by that. Eat your vegetables, eat your vegetables, eat your vegetables or clean your room, clean your room, clean your room. After a while, those words don't communicate to a teenager. Uh, And uh, and and so you had to find a different track. Uh, Don't give them food until they clean their room. That's a different that different scenario altogether. Uh, So one o'clock, one minute, our church body called First Norfolk needs to pray together for one minute, 60 seconds. Uh, Here's the one thing I want you to pray for this week. I want you to pray for every person, every man and woman uh, who is deployed uh, across the seas or around the globe or across the state. They're deployed. They're on orders somewhere else, and they're away from their family, and they're away from their their friends who are like family to them. Uh, They are deployed. Uh, There's a group going to be deployed tonight or tomorrow morning at 1201. Uh, they're being deployed. There's There are people who are deployed right now, families here around us uh, who are separated from the ones they love uh, because their loved one is deployed. Will you do the good work of praying for them, praying for those who are deployed, praying for their families, praying for their protection, praying for God to shower them with love and grace, that God would give them uh, the the courage to... Uh, be strong uh, for him. Uh, Pray for those who are deployed that are followers of Jesus, that God would use this deployment as an opportunity to shine through them toward those uh, on their ship or uh, in in that deployment who are far from God. Will you pray for those who are deployed And one o'clock, one minute? You can pray 10 minutes if you want to, but let's make 60 seconds, the, the bare minimum. And as a church... There'll be uh, uh, over 1,000 adult voices, and get that, uh, over 1,000 adult voices, if all of us do it this week, over 1,000 adult voices praying in unison for 60 seconds for all those who deployed. That will make a difference, okay? Do you believe in the power of prayer? Yes. Let's do it, All right? I know it's rainy outside, but it doesn't have to be rainy in here. Is it just me? I, we're going to have to cheer up a little bit. But, so let's. I won't make you do jumping jacks or anything, uh, uh, but uh, I want you to hear uh, what God has to share with us from Proverbs 31. It's really a summation of everything we've looked at for the last several weeks. We've talked about um, uh, wisdom, and to give you some definition again. Uh, Proverbs 1.7, Proverbs 9.30, Proverbs 15 uh, 9.10, Proverbs 15.30, and now in Proverbs 31, we see that, that the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. Um, so if we're going to have wisdom, if we're going to be wise in our relationships, wise in our, in our uh, life, uh, wise in our finances, wise in our emotions, if we're going to have wisdom, then we need to uh, fear the Lord. Now, what, uh, what God does in Proverbs is he brings all this information about fearing the Lord and wisdom and brings it uh, and exemplifies it through the life of a woman, Proverbs 31. Now, this is the Proverbs 31 woman. Now there's actually websites, uh, ministries defined by Proverbs 31 woman. Uh, and I appreciate that, and, and I, want to, I want to highlight that, but can I just kind of what is so hilarious, okay? And it's hilarious. What's so hilarious is this whole book was written primarily for young men to learn how to lead, and the way God ends it is by showing them how a woman is the wise one. And, and it really is. He takes this woman who is industrious and, and, and filled with ingenuity, this, this wonder of a woman who is uh, strong and a businesswoman and has employees who, who uh, works with her own hands and yet uh, goes out and purchases real estate and sells it. She's, she is a woman who, uh, because of her, her husband has a good reputation. Okay, because of her uh, contribution to the community, her husband is able to sit at the gates with the elders. Uh, Here is a woman who lifts the, 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 the lives of all around her, but it's not about the work of her hands. That's not, that's not what creates this life well lived that, that is exemplified in Proverbs 31. It's, 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 not, it's not her business acumen. It, she doesn't have an MBA from Harvard, although if she did, that would be okay. But that's not the point. The point is not all these wonderful things that she does, although they're great. So often, and my wife has said this as well, I read Proverbs, she said, if, I read, if she reads Proverbs 31, she feels a little bit put off because this is such a wonder woman that she doesn't know how she could ever live up to that. And maybe you feel that way too. And, and, and as I read it and as I apply it to my life, I feel the same way. This is a woman who is stellar in every aspect. No wonder she has this, this great place in Scripture. Uh, but it's not about all the achievements nor is it all about all the effort that she puts in there's one thing that God celebrates in this passage just one Everything else we read in t- from 10 to 31, all those uh, qualities and characteristics and activities and achievements, all of those flow out of one thing. And it's the one thing that you and I need to live life well. It's the one thing that all of us can pursue. It's the one thing that I believe this passage teaches us. And it's to fear the Lord. Now, uh, When we when we think about a life well lived and all of us want to live life well all of us want our children or our grandchildren or our great-grandchildren or our parents or our grandparents or our great-grandparents we all want those around us or our boyfriend or our girlfriend or our special friends or our husbands or our wives we want them to say man you've lived a good life you've lived life well we all want that kind of praise but how do we get there? Um, what is the secret sauce to that uh, and when we talk about secret sauce you know uh, the big mac has secret sauce right a secret sauce we're talking about what is it that what is that that special ingredient that makes my life sing and gives it a zing what what is that special ingredient that i need in my life to live life well and and what Proverbs teaches us, and really all of Scripture, what it teaches us is the secret sauce of a life well lived is the fear of the Lord. Look at verse 30, Proverbs thirty-one, thirty. Charm is deceitful, beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. That is the theme. By the way, that's the theme of the entire book. And God uses this wondrous woman, this wonder of a woman, to highlight, to demonstrate a life well lived so that we can make it personal to our lives. By the way, this, this, this passage isn't just for young ladies and trying to figure out how to be a woman, uh, nor is it just for uh, older ladies trying to figure out how to finish well. Uh, this this. Passage isn't about gender, it's about the character of the heart. This passage is for every person male, female, young, old. This passage is for all of us who desire to live life well. It just so happens that the woman in this story is a real woman who lived by the fear of the Lord, and that fear of the Lord led to a life lived well. And that's what we want, that's what we need. The secret sauce of a life well lived. Isn't all the accomplishments, all the accolades, all the uh, diplomas on my wall, it's not, the, the, <clears throat> it's not the, the, the next rung up on the ladder. It's not the next promotion. It's not the, 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 it, it's not the bigger boat or the bigger house. It's, it's not the better car. Uh, it, it, it's not the most fun we can possibly have versus the least amount of fun that, that, that you can have. It, it, those things are good and fine. There's nothing wrong with them. But that's not the secret sauce to living life well. The secret sauce to living life well isn't about getting more money, prosperity. and It's not about having more pleasure. And it's not about having more people around us say that we're all that and peanut butter too. The secret sauce of life isn't about the prosperity or the people around us or the pleasure we pursue. There's nothing wrong with pleasure. I like to have fun just like anybody else. I'll go fishing, and that's pleasurable to me, and that is a gift of God's grace to my life. So I'm thankful for pleasure. I'm not saying it's wrong, I'm just saying it's not the secret sauce. There's nothing wrong with prosperity. I'd prefer it to poverty, but if God gave me poverty, I still want to have, I still want to have the blessing of a life well lived. There's nothing wrong with having money, um, but it's not the secret sauce of a life well lived. There's nothing wrong with people around us. In fact, the Bible commends having good friends around you and living life together with people and community with people. That's what this thing that we're doing right now, that's what this is supposed to be. What this is supposed to be is sharing life together as a community of believers, experiencing life together, enjoying life together, uh, and going through the ups and downs, twists and turns together all the while praising God. But people around, and, uh, around us calling us friends, that's not the secret sauce Of a life well lived. Charm is deceitful, beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord, a man who fears the Lord, a person who fears the Lord, that's the person that's going to be praised. God celebrates a life well lived in the person who fears Him. The secret sauce to a life well lived is the fear of the Lord. Now, can I talk to you just for a second? I've already done this over the last several weeks, but let me just kind of share a simple definition of what the fear of the Lord is. The fear of the Lord is doing life God's way, not my way. The fear of the Lord is doing life God's way, not my way. And and those two will conflict. I, they'll, they'll conflict. I've preached uh, by the time this is done, I will have spoken three times today. I will have spoken about eight times this past week. I've got to speak again tonight uh, and, 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 and then again on Tuesday. And all those moments are me taking God's word and digesting God's word and all those things. And I'm supposed to be singularly focused on God's word and, and who God is just raptured up. into the seventh heaven by the Holy Spirit of God, always living in the clouds because that's what preachers do. And yet I'll leave this place and there will be a conflict between living life my way and living life God's way. That's the battle that rages within us. A life well lived is living life God's way. By the way, that's wisdom too. Wisdom is where we say God knows I don't. God knows I'm just learning. That's wisdom. God knows I'm just learning. It's where I listen to God more than I listen to my own heart or my friends or my, uh, my textbooks or my experience. God knows I'm just learning. So living by the fear of the Lord means I do life God's way. Wisdom is God knows and I'm learning what he knows so I can live life his way. That's wisdom. So when we celebrate wisdom in Proverbs 31... We're celebrating this fear of the Lord that produces something in us. It produces a life well lived. Are you living by the fear of the Lord? We'll get back to that question in a moment, but are you living by the fear of the Lord? I don't want to get all preachy and, and we miss the real stuff, right? I, I, are my emotions directed by the fear of the Lord? Are my ambitions determined by the fear of the lord are my relationships uh, um, consumed by the fear of the lord am i doing life god's way in every area of my life am i living by the fear of the lord now the the woman who is a wonder here in proverbs 10 uh, 31 10 through 31 uh, she lived life god's way and the result was a life well lived that's where we want to get so let's let's take a few moments and i won't read the whole passage although i'll refer to different pieces of it Uh, But, um, as we read this, understand, and please, this is a Mother's Day sermon, right? That's what, this is dedicated to mothers all the time. And so, guys, you're sitting here and you're thinking, well, this is a Mother's Day sermon, it's for women. I want you to get out of that mode of reference because it's not. If it is about women, it's to teach you men, and me, a man, how to live life well, that it doesn't, and God laughs, right? Because we think we got it all together. Men, well, you know, this whole patriarchy thing, all that stuff. You, you know what I'm talking about, right? Don't, you know what I'm talking about? You know, uh, it, people say that the Bible pictures men as in charge and all that and all that bossy stuff. And yet God shows that the wisest person in Scripture other than Jesus is a woman. Takes an entire book to then sum it up with this woman who was the wisest of all. He could have talked about Solomon, but he didn't. He talked about this woman. And you and I, gentlemen and ladies, you and I, we're supposed to learn from her. She's teaching us today how to live life well by the fear of the Lord. All right, so look at verse 10, okay? And again, I, I don't have time to to dig through all this, although I really do want to, just don't have time. But verse ten: uh, Who can find? And your translation may say "virtuous wife." It may say "noble woman." Uh, it may say uh, "woman of courage," "woman of valor." Uh, all of those are 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 uh, uh, a right interpretation of the word for virtuous or noble. Um, the, the picture here. Um, all right, so who can find her? And then the second part is uh, she is uh, of greater value than rubies. Now, he's not putting a price tag on a woman. Um, I've read that. Some people, oh, I can't believe you put a price tag. On. He's not putting a price tag on the woman. In the language, in the idiom of Hebrew, he's saying this woman is priceless. This is a woman who is priceless. And can I uh, contend that a man who lives like this is priceless as well? This is the kind of life that we want. It's it's the kind of of husband we want to find. It's the kind of wife that we want to find, certainly. But the picture is uh, a person uh, who has courage running through their veins in the face of ferocious circumstances, uh, they enter into the battle of life with courage, not fear. A virtuous uh, woman or a, a, a courageous woman, uh, her worth is far above rubies. Verse 11, the heart of her husband safely trusts her so he will have no lack of gain. He do- she does him good and not evil all the days of her life. In verse 13, she seeks wool and flax and willingly, uh, underline willingly, we'll come back to that in a second. She willingly works with her hand. She's like the merchant ships. By the way, verse 14, uh, if, guys, if you're dating uh, or you're married uh, or you're thinking about dating or getting married, simple lesson, never call that woman that you want to date a merchant ship. Okay, bad idea. Uh, that's the one thing I'd say, don't call her a merchant ship. And this is in the plural, so it's merchant ships. That would be really, really dumb. Okay, don't do that. Uh, she, uh, she's like the merchant ship. She brings her food from afar. She rises while it's yet night, provides food for her household and a portion for her maidservant. She considers a field, she buys it. Uh, from her uh, profits, uh, she plants a vineyard. She girds herself with strength and strengthens her arms. I'm stop there for a second. I, I, just want, I just want you to see a few things about this lady and, and, and a few things about what it looks like when we live life by the fear of the Lord. When we live by life by the fear of the Lord, the first thing I want you to see is that, that, uh, uh, that we live fearlessly instead of fearfully. When we live by the fear of the Lord, we live fearlessly rather than fearfully we live fearlessly even when the storms rage and the and and the the darkness falls we live fearlessly because our courage is not built upon what we can do what we can control what we can manage or what we can navigate our courage is built upon the God in whom we trust you see the fear of the Lord leads me and you and this woman who is a wonder It leads us to live in such a way that we depend absolutely upon the God of the universe to take care of us. The beauty of this passage is when we live our lives absolutely on the God of the universe to take care of us, then we find courage in Him, not in ourselves. When it talks about strength, she strengthens our arms. Right, And she, she girds her loins with strength, and, and she strengthens her arms. That strength is not from her own exercise routine. That strength comes from the God whom she fears and serves. Uh, later, it's going to be taught, it, it, look, verse 25, and I just mentioned verse 25. Strength and honor are her clothing. And then that second phrase, she shall rejoice in time to come. You, you may have a translation that says she smiles at the future. And that's really the, the, the meaning here. It's that uh, she looks and she sees tomorrow, and instead of trembling in fear, she just smiles. You know why she can smile? It's not because she's got it all together. It's because God has her, and she can trust him, and she depends upon him to take care of whatever comes her way you realize when we live by the fear of the Lord we're living in absolute dependence upon him the secret sauce to fearless living is the fear of the Lord the more we fear God the less we'll fear everything else you have struggles in your life I get it I have struggles in mine you have ferocious uh, enemies marching and banging at your door I get it I do as well But when we live by the fear of the Lord, then we say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And yes, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. For thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, and you anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely... Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. When we live by the fear of the Lord, we walk hand-in-hand with the good shepherd. And we can be fearless. Even in the face of tomorrow, we can smile at the future because we walk hand-in-hand with the king. And the secret sauce to Fearless living isn't getting all your ducks in a row or having your spreadsheet or your checklist all marked off. The, 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 the secret sauce of fearless and faithful living is walking hand in hand with the king of the universe, the good shepherd, trusting God with all that we are. That's what the fear of the Lord does for us. And the fear of the Lord is the secret sauce of living life well because it gives us fearlessness in the face of our future. A secret sauce to living life well. We discover again in, in verses uh, 11 and 12. And then down in verses 26 through 28. Look at 11 and 12 again. It says, the heart of her husband safely trusts her. You know what that means? It means that the husband has absolute confidence in her so that he can open his heart to her completely. And you reverse that. that we all want a husband to whom we can open our heart completely that we can trust like that we all want a wife with whom we can open our heart completely that we can trust like that we want friends don't we are family like that we, we want uh, that we can trust with the most vulnerable parts of who we are by the way that's who the church is supposed to be I, I know we fall short so often in doing that but I pray that we would do better don't you that we would be friends to each other in such a way that we could be vulnerable with each other, that we could actually trust each other. Well, that's what the fear of the Lord does. You you look at this, and and uh, you know, I always feel like I I I want us to learn that the fear of the Lord is not just a religious exercise that we pick up every now and then. It's not just a verse that we memorize. It's not just a Sunday morning routine. The fear of the Lord is our way of life. If we want to live life well, we need to have the fear of the Lord as the daily uh, directional, the compass that, that gives us uh, direction for our everyday moments. In verse 26, and following It says, that when this woman who is a wonder opens her mouth she opens her mouth with wisdom so what floods out of her heart through her mouth to her family and friends is wisdom that's the truth of god it's what god wants it's what god says she pours out the truth of god not not the opinion of this woman but the truth of god not not the what ifs but what god says when she opens her mouth, on her mouth is the tongue of wisdom. Uh, and, uh, uh, and, then, and then on her tongue is the law of kindness. Kindness there is a term that literally means steadfast love. It's the covenant love of God. So here's what happens. When you talk to this lady and, and you're part of her family, uh, what she does is she opens her mouth and God pours out of her his truth, And he pours out of her his love. She begins to bless those around her. She blesses them because she's trustworthy. She's reliable. She's like a a warm blanket on a cold day. You can trust her. You can wrap yourself in her arms and, and share the most vulnerable parts of yourself with her. And she will, verse 12, do good for you all the days of her life, not evil. She's dependable. We need a man or a woman like that in our life who will bless us like that, who pours out the truth of God and the love of God. But then look at verse 28. It says, Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Now, what does that mean? Well, it means that uh, because she is living Uh, by the fear of the Lord, she blesses and she is blessed. Yeah, that's what relationships are. It's not transactional, but it is reciprocal. Transactional means if I do this, you'll do that. That's not relationship. Relationship is I do this for the glory of God because I live for his fame. And in response, you for the glory of God, bless me as I have blessed you. It's reciprocal. It's not transactional. It's a transaction would be, uh, "Honey, uh, I will I will clean the kitchen uh, if you give me some sugar." That's transactional. Marriage doesn't work like that. If you're doing your marriage that way, then you're not living life well, nor are you living it by the fear of the Lord. But marriage should be. I'm going to mop the kitchen and because I have poured out my life in an effort to show my wife how much I love her and I am doing something that she knows I despise except for my relationship with her, in response, love bubbles up in her and she gives me some sugar. Those are two different things. One's transaction and I get bitter if I don't get sugar at night. The other is reciprocal, and the blessing for me as a husband is simply blessing my wife. Whether she gives me sugar or not, I have blessed her by mopping the kitchen. And she, in response to the blessing that I poured out to her, she wants to bless me. Today, we need to see that the secret sauce of satisfying relationships is the fear of the Lord. It's the fear of the Lord. Because I give my life to live life God's way, then I'm going to bless, and in response to the bless, I'm going to be blessed in my relationships. The secret sauce of a life well lived is the fear of the Lord. It it happens in our, in our circumstances where we can be fearless. It happens in our relationships where we can be satisfied. But this wonder of a woman doesn't stop in relationships. You look even further on, and it begins to describe her work. In fact, the majority of this describes the kind of work that she does. I want you to see verse 13. Verse 13 she seeks wool and flax, so that means she's going to find product to do stuff with. Okay? And then the second part of verse 13. And willingly works with her hands. Now, I don't know what your translation says, but that term for willingly simply means she takes delight in the work of her hands. She finds pleasure in the work that she does. But the pleasure she finds isn't dependent upon the type of work she does. So we look at this, and she buys uh, Land and she'll sell land. She plants vineyards and she sells the produce. She goes out and she she holds the spindle and and the and and the distaff. Uh, This is uh, this is verse uh, nineteen and twenty. She stretches out her hands to the distaff and hand holds the spindle. That means she's weaving. Okay, so she's doing all this weaving business. Verse twenty, she extends her hand to the poor. She reaches out her hands to the needy. She's not afraid of snow because she's done a good job of clothing her family. All these things are pictures of the work she does. She has employees. Those are the maidservants there in verse 15. Uh, She she works and she slaves and she toils um, as as an entrepreneur type woman. So she does all that, but regardless Uh, The type of work she's doing, whether it's sewing or weaving or uh, doing uh, business in the community, regardless of the type, she finds joy in it. Why? Because what defines her work is not the type of work she's doing. What defines her work is for whom she is doing it. Again, everything is driven by verse 30. Charm is deceitful, beauty is vain, but the woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. It's the fear of the Lord that that defines what she does. Everything she does, she does for the honor and glory of God. But there's a second ingredient to that that we see come out in this passage, especially verse 20. Uh, up to verse 20, she is doing the work so that she might bless her family. Then, verse 20, she's doing her work so that she might bless those who are in need. Here's the picture, and this is what should redefine how we do our work. When we live by the fear of the Lord, we're going to live life well, even in our work, because we're not doing work just to get money, just to get ahead, just to get a promotion, but rather we're now doing work to bless our family and to bless those who are in need. We do our work to bless, to bless God and to bless others. Now, guys, I got to tell you, that is a absolute countercultural perspective when it comes to work. When it comes to work in our culture, it's, I'm going to work so I can get more money so I can get more stuff. But that is not the picture that we find. Or it's, I'm going to work so I can get more money and get more prestige. Or I'm going to work so I can get more money so I can get uh, uh, get more fun all those things are looking at money or the things that they can purchase as the secret sauce of living life well but when we as followers of Jesus who have been purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ when we look at our work we look at our work through a different lens whatever we do uh, Paul told the church at Corinth whatever you do in word or in deed do it all for the glory of God we live and we work to bless him We live and we work so that we can be generous with God for the cause of Christ, for the gospel of Jesus Christ, uh, so we can be generous through the church to accomplish his purposes. Uh, We can be generous to to help those who are in need as we see them and as we meet them. We work to bless, to bless our household, to bless our family, to bless our friends. We work to bless. Bless. It's not about what we get, it's about what we give. The secret sauce of satisfying work is the fear of the Lord. The secret sauce of satisfying relationships is the fear of the Lord. The, The secret sauce to living fearlessly is the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord, embodied by this wonder of a woman, the fear of the Lord is what we need to pursue if we want to live life well. All of us want to hear God say at the end of our journey, well done, good and faithful, servant." When my wife and my children give my eulogy, and I'm going to be listening, by the way. When they give my eulogy, I want to be able to hear them say, not just because it's my funeral, but because it's the truth. My husband or my dad, Man. He lived life well. The only way we're going to get there is if we live by the fear of the Lord. So the question is, how do we live by the fear of the Lord? And and this is really the last three questions that this book should elicit in us. There are others, but these are three main questions that we need to answer today before we leave. And the first question is, if I'm going to live by the fear of the Lord, then the first question is, do I have a relationship with God? There is no living life well without a relationship with God. There is no living life in the fear of the Lord without a relationship with God. And God desires for you and I to be made whole. But our sin has separated us from him so that there's no way for us to live in relationship with him because of our sin. So God in love sent Jesus to rescue us. Jesus who is God became man and and lived his life perfectly without sin. And yet he determined to die on a cross to provide forgiveness for your sin and mine. The sin that separates us from God finds forgiveness in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. This morning, the question is, do I have a relationship with God? Not am I a religious person, not am I a moral person, not do I go to church. The question is, do I have a relationship with God? Have I been transformed? Have I been changed on the inside Because of the sacrifice of Christ, have I truly repented my sin and placed all my trust in Jesus as the only hope? Have I I been made whole? All the broken shards of, of shattered dreams and a shattered life created by my sinfulness and separation from God, has God in love picked those pieces up and made them whole through Jesus Christ? Do I have a relationship with God? I was dead, now I'm alive. That's a picture of a relationship with God. I was living in darkness, now I live in light. That's a picture of a relationship with God. If you're one of those that says, I've always known known God, I want to challenge you to question whether or not you really have ever known God. Sin separates us from God. And we need forgiveness for our sin. And it doesn't come through the hand of a priest It doesn't come through the hand of a prayer. It comes through the hand of Jesus who died for sin upon the cross. When we repent our sin, place our trust in him, have you entered into a relationship with God through faith in Christ? And if you haven't, I beg you, come to Christ today and start that first step into the fear of the Lord and living life well. The second question is really for those who are followers of Jesus. The second question is, uh, do I have... Uh, any idols that I live to serve. An idol in Scripture is anything that we set above God in our lives. And it could be a sport. It could be a relationship. It could be a, a habit. It could be a thought. Uh, it, it could be, a, thought, uh, it could be a, a secret. It could be any of those things. And the question is, do I have an idol that I live to serve and you might say, well, I'm a faithful follower of Jesus. Well, not if you have an idol. And this is one of the things about, about fear of the Lord that really hits me is I'm a preacher and I recognize that I have idols in my life too. There are things that I live to serve that are not God. And the very first uh, command that God gives us is uh, to, uh, to, to, to honor God and serve him only. Uh, And yet I have these other gods in my life. If I'm going to live life well, if I'm going to live life in the fear of the Lord, I have to worship God alone. I I have to uh, love God supremely. And I need to take any idol, any passion, any pursuit, any pleasure, any uh, ambition or desire, I I need to kill it. If it's not already submitted to what God wants, I need to honor God above everything else in my life. And the question then is do you need to kill some idols today? Do you need to crush some idols in your life? If you want to live life well, the secret sauce is living by the fear of the Lord. You can only live by the fear of the Lord if you have a relationship with God through faith in Christ and if you're killing your idols regularly. Maybe we need to crush some idols today. Then the third question. Am, am I adjusting my will to fit God's word or am I trying to adjust God's word to fit my will? And this really does get to real Practical things for us. See, God's word is a clear description of God's heart. If I'm going to live by the fear of the Lord, then Scripture says I need to obey the will of God, the words of God. But so often, even as followers of Jesus, what we tend to do is try to make God's word fit what we want rather than fit what we want into what God's word already says. And this is simple disobedience. uh, Even though it leads to... A complexity of struggle and problems and despair in our life, but it's simple disobedience. God's word says one thing and I want to live a different way. If that is true for you today then I want, to, I want to beg you please, will you live by the fear of the Lord and obey him? Adjust your will to fit God's word. Don't try to make God's word fit your will. And by the way, as a pastor and a Ph.D. guy. Uh, I can do this really well because I can twist Scripture as good as anybody to rationalize my own behavior. And it doesn't make it any less sin, and it certainly damages my relationship with God. It, dis- it damages my relationships with others. It leads to brokenness and despair. Every time I abandon God's Word or I try to twist it to fit what I want, will lead to doom and gloom and despair in me and in my relationships and in others around me. So I want to challenge you today. Allow the Spirit of God to pinpoint places in your life, just as He has in mine, where we're trying to adjust God's Word to fit our will rather than adjust our will to fit God's Word. These three questions set kind of a, a boundaries for us in how to live by the fear of the Lord. If I have a relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ, I've taken that first step in living by the fear of the Lord. Every day as a follower of Jesus, if, I, if I'm living uh, my life crushing idols that tempt me to worship them then i'm 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 well on my way to living by the fear of the lord if i then commit myself every day to live in obedience to god's word then i will be living by the fear of the lord and god will celebrate my children will rise up and call me blessed my wife also and she will praise me because i'm trustworthy because I'm faithful because I'm living by the fear of the Lord I invite you to bow your heads with me please these next few moments I look for me just even sharing this message is is hard just because it confronts me even as I'm speaking and something new every hour confronts me about those three questions I wonder if today, if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, would you be willing to say yes and come to Christ today? In a few moments, we're going to sing a song about God's amazing grace, and it is God's grace that that rescues us from sin and the stain of sin and the pain and the shame of it. But more importantly, it rescues us from the distance that our sin creates between us and God. And Jesus came and he suffered once for my sin and yours so that he might bring us to God, bring us into the family of God. And, and maybe you're here today, you may be religious, you may be moral and all that kind of stuff, but that's really not the question. Are you part of God's family through faith in Jesus Christ? And if you're, if you're not yet, then please know that God is, is begging you to look into the eyes of Jesus, those eyes of love that, have, uh, that, that went to great cost and sacrifice by dying the death your sin demands. Look into the eyes of Jesus and find forgiveness there. Come to Christ today. There are going to be ministers here at the at the front, they would love to talk with you more about that, pray with you about entering into a relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ and repentance of your sin. If you're a follower of Jesus, I know that the idols are easy to make, and we got them. And I would contend that every person here who is a follower of Jesus if they allowed the Spirit of God to speak long enough, He would speak loud enough and He would pinpoint exactly what our idols are. And my prayer for us, each one of us, is that we would allow God to shatter the idols before those idols shatter us. Maybe you're here and you're still feeling, uh, feeling the, 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 the broken pieces of idol worship in your life. Your soul has been shattered and And you long to be made whole again. Um, And God says, look in the loving eyes of Jesus, who is in the work of making us whole, even as his followers. Will you commit to come to this altar, perhaps, or right where you are, and, and shatter the idol of your own making, the idol of your own heart, that thing that you're living to serve that's not God? Maybe it's obedience. Really, all of this comes down to obedience, but, but you, you're confronted by places of disobedience in your heart and places that you are holding on to and saying, God, I don't have to obey you here. Maybe the Spirit of God right now is just kind of shattering that pride and arrogance and humbling you and calling you to Repentance. I understand that, that each one of these uh, pictures is, is a painful picture. It's a picture of me being broken or being being made humble. Um, and, and that's good because it leads to repentance. Now, here's the picture that I want, I want you to see. In every point of every question, every point of, of every call, And God is calling you not to be beat up. He's not berating you. He wants to liberate you. He's he's calling you to gaze into his eyes of love and fall into his arms of love and be made whole, be restored, be set on a path again to live life well to walk into the fear of the Lord. I've I've blown it so many times in my life. I can't, obviously, I can't count. I've blown it as a young man, and I've blown it as a grown-up man. I've blown it in small ways, and guys, I've blown it in humongous ways. I've lived my life outside the fear of the Lord. I've lived my life outside the will of God. I've I've done those things in my life, and I've been shattered by them. My dad was always my go-to. He's the guy that when I finally came to the end of that shattered way of life, I could always talk to him, and I would call him, and or go into his room and I would talk to him about how I'd been living, what I'd been doing. My dad was always my go-to because I could always go to him and he would speak truth, God's truth to me, and he would share and show God's love with me. And he would take me and he would say, Eric, lift up your head, look in my eyes. It's going to be okay. Friends, today, God, our loving Father, in the midst of this journey that you're on right now, He wants you, He wants you to call out to Him and He will speak truth and He will show love and He invites you to to repent before Him and come to Him and, and replace your brokenness for wholeness, to live by the fear of the Lord. He invites you to do that, but in the process of doing that, he lifts up your eyes and he says, look at me. Look in my eyes. Son, my daughter, I love you. And it's going to be okay. Today, take that next step in the living by the fear of the Lord and be made whole.